Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have Ken, Ken Marshall. He's the Chief Growth Officer and Managing Partner at RevenueZen out of California today. Welcome, Ken. Could you introduce yourself? Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me, Elias. It's uh, great to be here. So, yeah, I'm the chief growth officer and a partner at RevenueZen, um, which that's funny. It's a fancy title that means sort of the intersection of like what a CMO would do, uh, a chief of products. And then, you know, I, I help build out the sales team um, and our sales process as well, because that's something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've spent the last, let's see, seven or eight years now pretty obsessed about Google's algorithm, reverse engineering it and using it to help ourselves grow. One of our primary ways we get our own leads and customers mm-hmm. and also uh, for others, obviously. And, um, you know, I've I've done a lot of things over the years. I've started a couple different businesses. Mine actually got acquired by RevenueZen, which is another interesting thread we could <laughs> hit mm-hmm. on. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm somebody that likes to learn a lot, apply things quickly and, you know, sort of always push the boundaries of what's possible. And that's why, you know, I like the title chief growth officer. It allows me to do a bunch of different things. <laughs> love it. Love it. So today I would almost say we're going back to basics because we're going to talk SEO and within the well, the marketing technology podcast, we often talk about lead gen and marketing automation and all kinds of new fancy tools. And I consider SEO like a basis for success that every B2B marketer should have at least some knowledge of. Uh, and you're Absolutely. you're an expert here in SEO, so specifically for B two B. So um, let's let's first first of all talk a little bit about that because what's the difference in in when when talking SEO when you're looking at the B two C versus the B two B market? What's what's the biggest differences that you see there? Yeah, I, I would say there's a there's a few different things. Um, the first big ones that come to mind are just the sales cycle. Um, and buying decision sort of behavior, right? So uh, I'll use myself as an example. Me and my wife are are, <laughs> are looking, you know, hanging out and um, we get an ad or something for uh, a hoodie that we really like and it's $20. That is a, I mean, it might not be for everybody, but just picture your own negligible cost item, you know, B2C type mm-hmm. item. And so we might just purchase that. We don't even really need to consider what's the fabric made out of, <laughs> who made this? Now, some people do, but <laughs> we don't. And so- in a B2B buying environment, especially at like our price points and the price points for our clients, you're talking about a decision committee. You might have to do an RFP. You might have to get the C-level involved after the CMO or uh, the VP of marketing, right, has has talked to their team. And so not only are, is the buy, like the actual sales cycle longer, um, the decision-making process is typically more in-depth. And so you can't make these snap decisions like you would with, you know, maybe a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or a LinkedIn ad that could you know, get that purchase right away. The other thing that I would say is the level of, I guess it would be, um, you know, people are playing at a high level for some of these enterprises that are B2B and they, they regard, they regard SEO when they get it right um, in a way that makes it very competitive uh, at the upper levels. And it's not that B2C isn't competitive. It's just that it's more focused typically that I see on brand and um, expression of that brand and who they are versus um, we've really got to get these targets right um, as far as like keyword targets or this content tone 
to match our ICP because if not, they're not going to go for it. So mm -hmm. those are the things I see that make it different. So what you're saying is the larger decision-making unit. So well, uh, on average, I think there's like seven to eight people um, well, in a decision-making unit that make a buying decision together in a B2B environment. Um, combined with that long sales cycle, how does that affect your SEO? Yeah, I think really in the beginning, you sort of have to, what I always tell our potential clients and anybody listening is, you have to decide if this is something that's going to be that you want to be viable, like as far as an acquisition channel long term, because, I mean, for most people, and again, this B2C can have this as well. But for B2B, because of those longer sales cycles, you might see a return on your investment, even if it's working really well, pushed back a bit. So the first thing to decide is, do we want this to be a channel that's going to work for us long term? And are we willing to you know, sort of put in the foundation of work required? Um, and then I would also say you've got to consider um, if everybody's familiar with the um, the buyer's journey, you've got to make sure that you're not just, let's say, putting out some blog posts, which I've heard <laughs> that's like a tactic that people think equals lead gen. But really what we have to do is say, OK, those eight buyers that you just mentioned, Elias, what information are they going to need to make a decision before they reach out to sales, before they reach out to you with your you know, contact form or your demo request? And how can we align that journey on our site and match the things that they need to choose their own adventure to then get in touch with us? Again, that's much less complex for most B2C companies. So when you're building out the strategy, you have to consider each of those touch points, which, you know, they're getting more and more. The last time I read a Gartner report, I know it was like 15 plus <laughs> or yeah. something before they even want to talk to you. So, you know, very complex. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, Ken. So, um when when I during the introduction, I already mentioned that we're almost let's say going back to basics um, with SEO. Um, that's that's not necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that this is something like a like like a given fact that SEO has always been the way it is, and because this is a very well fast changing environment with Google changing stuff all the time. What what are the trends that you see happening for 2023 uh, if you look into SEO? Yeah, and I, I, before diving into that, I will say you sort of hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, I am agnostic as far as what marketing channels work for organizations at different stages of growth. <laughs> it's not like SEO or LinkedIn ads or something is a silver bullet. So yeah, before everyone says that, you know, we're we're talking about these benefits and strategies, but uh, it's, you've got to be right for your organization at the timing of starting the campaign. So as far as things that I'm seeing going forward, a big one is that, that buying decision-making behavior that I mentioned. Um, not everybody is looking to, let's say, land on a website and purchase something from SEO the same way that they would have five years ago. Um, people are starting to understand that because some companies can, quote unquote, game the search engine, they're looking to other places. Like, you know, you've probably heard of dark social, but mm -hmm. think of if you're a, a VP of sales and you're looking for a piece of technology. Honestly, some people are looking on Reddit. <laughs> some people are looking at, um, you know, other social communities and not just the search engine as this trust point that they used to asking friends, um, going to uh, events. So that's one thing that we're seeing is just the search results themselves are not always the most trustworthy touch point that people have um, relied on in the past. And we can analyze like click through data or essentially click data based on the same keywords are ranking for two years ago <laughs> in the same positions, but dramatically less impressions over time, right? Um, so the second thing 
I would say is it's not enough to rank well anymore because Google's looking at engagement after somebody clicks through to your site. So what that means is, let's say that, you know, we rank for B2B SEO agency, right? And so let's say that somebody clicks through, we get 100 people clicking through, and then they leave immediately. They hate the experience. We're not going to stay there very long. And so what mm -hmm. we're seeing is that the experience on that page, the user experience, the, the conversion rate optimizations you've done, the page layout, the page speed, those factors increasingly are worth more weight um, in terms of performance than ever before. And lastly, I would say there's companies like um, G2, Captera, you know, Yelp, uh, Clutch for B2B services. These aggregators, people are more and more looking to um, compare solutions and compare vendors more than ever before on unbiased platforms. In fact, uh, Google just came out with an update earlier this year that actually rewards <laughs> those types of platforms and in-depth review comparisons. Mm -hmm. So instead of your site being the place where somebody lands on to look for a B2B SEO agency, increasingly they would be funneled to clutch to compare different vendors. So those are the big three. And then the fourth would be, if, if I had to give one, um, would just be the, the rise of content that isn't created by a human. And it's not it's not really known yet how well or how poorly that can perform. It's more about, um, is there a good editorial viewpoint? But people are using it more and more, uh, mm -hmm. AI and machine learning to create those things. Yeah, so it's going to be a key competitive advantage. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the things that you just pointed out basically comes down to, to quality, I would say, because it's not so much more about, let's say, ranking first in, in Google and then, let's say, almost like, having some clickbait there, having people to your website and people <laughs> automatically rely on what whatever you're saying there. But it's yep. it's more about the quality. And I think that that's really something that all, well, some recent reports also point out because um, I recently read a report from Forrester. I think it was on Outreach's website or somewhere. Um, it, and it pointed out that people in B2B sales cycles don't want to, talk to to uh sales reps anymore especially younger people let's say millennials gen z yep. uh, they don't want to talk to sales reps as soon as we would want them to speak to sales reps as a marketer in a b2b company um so basically what forrester was saying there is we you need to uh, focus on that discovery phase and offer better content there uh, without tricking them in some demo uh, what we all do, right? Because uh, a lot of exactly. uh, a lot of B two B companies, the the number one thing they have on their website on the top right and somewhere in the middle is that get demos, schedule demos, schedule your own demo, etc. And we as B two B marketers, we all know that it's hardly ever meant to really do that demo, but more like qualify the lead, have them uh, speaking to you, being able to qualify, and that 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 demo almost is like a secondary thing. And I think younger people just feel that it's not really genuine anymore and they want to explore that. So I, I love what you're saying there is that it's more about quality, offering a true experience because otherwise people are just going to find it elsewhere on review website, on comparison websites, on Reddit, et cetera. So you have to uh, give good information and focus on quality there. I love that. I love that. So um, one, one other thing that I uh, am pretty interested in in hearing more on is um after having reviewed your website and i will share a link to your website in the show notes of course for the listeners but I, i've looked at revenue sense website and there's some some stuff about technical seo there as well 
Um, and for those P2P marketers that are not directly into SEO, how technical is SEO um, in 2023? Yeah, so I will, I'll give the the sort of top level <laughs> quick overview of the what I consider the major four buckets um, of SEO. But you can think about it as like, there's the technical stuff and that's how the robots know that you exist and what you do. So that's the technical SEO. There's the on-page content part portion, which is, you know, if you look at a search result, you see that little title, the description, when you land on a page, there's, mm -hmm. you know, the primary big heading at the top, right? So there's those factors, those things that the user is going to interact with, the content. Then there's your authority. And if you've ever heard of like backlinks, you know, some of the New York Times links to you, what that's like your Google credit score goes up because, you know, they're trustworthy. So you get a little more trustworthy. Get, getting included in those directories mentions across the website. Has your business been around for a long time? That's the authority bucket. And then competitive landscape, right? Because it, it, we are against other people. <laughs> that's the name mm -hmm. of the game. It's not, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. And so technical SEO, I would say, if you don't have it correct, as far as the foundations, if Google can't find in other search engines and index your site, none of the other factors matter. However, once you've done those foundations, the thing that will help you succeed the most is the performance. And like you said, the quality and how much your content relates to the user. And then that authority building up over time. Um, those are the most impact, uh, impactful factors going forward. But yeah, in the beginning, if your content isn't indexed, it can't rank for anything and nobody can find it. And then they can't become users and conversions. So that's sort of the order of operations. Cool, cool. So after having heard this and something else that you mentioned in the beginning um, as well, because there's still a lot of B2B marketers just relying on putting a blog out every now and then and hoping for an <laughs> SEO ranking there. Yep. Um, uh, combined with that, let's say four pillars and um, SEO being being a little technical, um, and I know who I'm asking, of course, but <laughs> do, would you advise um, B2B marketers to, to hire someone, to, like an expert, for their SEO, or is it something they should consider in a second stage? Or what, how do, what, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I've, I've never made a hiring decision myself. I've never made a purchase decision without educating myself, at least fundamentally enough to know how to ask the person the right questions to vet the vendor, to know, you know, am I getting gouged by this price? Is this up mid-market? Because that's what we are, um, you know, what we want. So the first thing I would say, and that's why we have like, you know, all of this, we would call it top of funnel educational content for free is like, nobody's going to be confident to buy from us if they don't understand what the heck we're doing. So the first thing I would say is actually take a step back and maybe even hire a consultant for an hour to help you understand your needs before you even pay for a deliverable, but um, educate yourself on the nature of the solution. So what the heck do we want? Why do we want to do SEO? Um, why are we going to, why do we want to hire somebody versus do it in the house? Then I would say the second step is you can probably do, if you have a technical person on your team, you know, there's checklists, articles, we have checklists and articles, um, videos that you could do maybe 20%, 25% of the technical stuff yourself. It's not strategic and it won't result in any business, <laughs> most likely, but you can do some of the beginning parts of the foundations in-house. Then I would say at that stage, once you've wrapped your mind around what it is you can do, your limitations, where it is you want to end up. Then I would say that in some way, shape, or form, you do need to, you know, either hire a person with that knowledge internally, 
or go outside for a consultant, uh, maybe a freelancer if it's a one-off project, or like us, an agency, which is more of, we have more money than we have time <laughs> and desire to do this, and we want to pay for an outcome. Uh, and that's sort of what we provide. But at a certain point, yeah, without somebody with expert knowledge who's done it before, you might get a lot of clicks and keyword rankings, but turning that into revenue really takes somebody with experience and expertise, I would say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So given that that experience that you have, you might be um, able to to maybe guess or indicate how much time is involved in, in, in a typical SEO strategy. Is this something, because that's, I know that a lot of B2B marketers are in their uh, plans for 2023 so they have to they have to budget sometimes they have to budget for outsourcing but um, they also have to budget for for time time allocation so how 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 time intensive is seo when you want to do this good when you want to do a good job on seo it's a very good question and i'll answer it um and sort of and i wrote an article everyone can look at this called like how long does seo take um, mm -hmm. Because it's, <laughs> I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of searches, B2B, B2C, everybody asks the same question. I get it in sales calls. So I kind of fleshed it out in a more comprehensive way. But yeah, so as far as how long it would take, whether it's you or a vendor, um, in the beginning stages, so we call these like the foundations for our um, solution, but you have to go through this process no matter who you are, right? The keyword research, the competitive analysis, analyzing your existing content, building out an editorial plan. At the beginning of those first, let's call it two to three months, which is what those foundations should take, we're talking 10 to 15 hours per month um, of dedicated time and energy at a, at a minimum. You can get mm -hmm. crazy. And I do a lot. I like to do as much research as possible. Elias, I think that builds confidence. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say allocate that. And then on an ongoing basis, we're really talking about you know, the team as a whole, probably five to 10 extra hours distributed across the team, though. In the beginning, it's probably more of like the the strategy team who's going out and doing these this research and analysis. But afterwards, it'll be more of like the people producing content will spend their hour or two creating that article. Uh, the subject matter expert will review it. Uh, and then as far as timeline, yeah, those first two to three months should be heavily spent on research and analysis and defining what I consider uh, your North Star as a strategy. So um, let's say ours is more uh, more uh, form submissions or demos. We need X to hit our targets for the sales team. And we were, we're starting out here. Beyond that, the next three months is all about um, implementation and starting to create your foundational content assets. So let's say that you have no solutions pages that described your product. You have like one product feature and some blog posts. Well, you need to build out those when people are ready to purchase pages um, and et cetera, et cetera, right? Throughout the whole mm -hmm. foundational aspects of the site. Beyond that, month six through nine, that's really when you're scaling what's working well. You've got some preliminary data through Search Console, Google Analytics, HubSpot, you know, Salesforce into pipeline. And you're saying, okay, these are our money makers that map to our business model. Let's just hit the gas on these topics. Months 12 to 16, that should be our, our MQLs converting into SQLs and have we closed some business. Um, that's really when you can start determining that right around that 16th month mark for most businesses. A new startup is going to take a little bit longer and an enterprise level company could hit that switch in two months because they've been around longer. So does that mm -hmm. help sort of orient? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that answers a question that a lot of marketers actually have. 
because I, you know, as an agency owner myself, I talk a lot to B2B marketers and they always ask this question, right? So how long does yep. it take to see <laughs> the first effect? How much time do I need to spend on a monthly basis? Do I need to hire people? So Ken, I would like to thank you very much because I think this is a an episode full of hands-on tips for B2B marketers. I will share a link to your LinkedIn profile. So uh, people that want to reach out to you will know where to find you. Uh, please, if you do reach out to Ken, mention that you've learned about him on the Marketing Technology Podcast. And I will also share a link to your website, revenuezan.com. Um, and with that, I would like to thank you very much for being on the Marketing Technology Podcast, Ken. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a ton for having me. And I'm very friendly, everybody. So feel free to reach out. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.